Hi, welcome to season two of Unique Stories. For season two, I've decided I'm going to do something a little bit different. Those of you who heard season one might remember that I did a series of interviews with Luki Danu Cargento, the career coach, the founder of uh, Focus Inspired and the author of Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier. We had so much fun doing those conversations that we decided to keep talking. So we're going to do it. We're going to extend those conversations and do a series of talks on soft skills. Each month, him and I are going to break down one soft skill or human skill, as you might call it. So it'll be on topics such as creativity, teamwork, leadership, etc. I'm going to pick his brain to learn what he knows about these skills and how to nurture them in our lives to make us, you know, better at what we do, or maybe even allow us to do new things going forward. So stick around. Let me know if you guys enjoy the conversations. And here we go. Hi, welcome to Unique Stories, a podcast where we talk to people about the stories that make up their lives, where they've been, what they've done, where they're heading, and more. I'm your host, David Shu. Thanks for listening. All right, we're here for the first episode of our discussion about soft skills. We have this entire season planned out that we're going to break down various soft skills for you. And first one we're going to talk about today is teamwork. So first thing I want to do is welcome my co-host, Luki Danu Cargento. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on another one of your podcasts. It seems like that you have a whole tool belt of these podcasts. <laughs> yes, this is a spinoff of, of our previous conversations, but I think it'll be good. And we chose a topic that I think applies to almost everybody. This whole business of teamwork and collaboration and how do you how do you maximize your team player ability, like your team playerness? Okay. Now, this is a thing that has been driving me up the wall in various aspects of my life. And I suspect it drives most people up the wall, but they may not recognize it right? Because teamwork is everywhere. It's sometimes we say teamwork and you automatically think, okay, sports team, right? And I've been there, you know, I've played on sports teams. I've played on bad sports teams. I've coached sports teams, but it's not just sports teams. It's also in your office. So a lot of people think teamwork. Yeah. How do I work with the people in my cubicle, right? Or the people in my, you know, office setting, but it's not just there either. It's also at home, right? Like a lot of people, you know, they have they have a hired helper. They have a domestic worker in their house. That person's on your team with your family. You know, are you able to manage that, right? And even if you don't have any of these things, most of us have a family. And your family unit is a team also. So, you know, managing how you get along with your in-laws, how you get along with your spouse. There's a lot of principles at teamwork that apply to all of these things. And then sometimes when you see people's, you know, stressing through various difficulties in life, whether it's personal stuff, work stuff, you know, various things. The root of the problem, some, a lot of the time, is there's something wrong with how they're approaching teamwork, right? Or there's some teamwork skill that's lacking. And 
that's what we want to help people with today. Yeah, and I think for a lot of these soft skills, one of the reasons why they're considered soft is they seem to be uh, unquantifiable, right? You, like when someone says, what makes someone a good team player? It's like, kinda, I, I don't know. They, they, they show up, they do this <laughs> and that. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've come across a, a very interesting framework, which might be helpful for folks. And we might want to test it against some of the situations or the scenarios that you've gone through uh, to see whether or not uh, it actually fits, because uh, this is more on the kind of business context in terms of team, but does it apply in a in a sports team context, in the family context, and, mm-hmm. and whatever. So um, like th- this framework comes from uh, a book called The Ideal Team Player. It's a author, Patrick mm-hmm. Lencioni, and he puts the three characteristics of an ideal team player as hungry, humble, and smart. And and smart is basically mm-hmm. uh, people smart, um, not, not kind of the IQ smart. But uh, we, we can test uh, s- some of your scenarios through those. And, well, hungry is, is basically a little bit of ownership, like initiative. They um, actually want to be there, right? They want to contribute, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the, the ideals that you might think of when you see hear of someone who's hungry. They, they want it, right? They want to win, right? They, they want the company to do well. They want the team to do well. They want the family to succeed, right? Uh, humble mm-hmm. is that, well, you don't want the arrogant uh, SOB or the person that's there. You want someone who mm-hmm. uh, will give credit where credit is due. You want people that uh, appreciate each other, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which uh, is often pretty uh, part of, of a kind of a team environment. And uh, the, the smart part, again, it's, it's people smart. It's kind of the emotional intelligence, the empathy part of it. Like, can you read people? Can you uh, understand their, their point of view? Can you be empathetic towards that? And uh, yeah, so those are the kind of the, the fundamental uh, parts of, of that uh, framework. And uh, yeah, it would be interesting to apply it against some of your situations or some of the, the, uh, the, the challenges you've been facing and see whether or not it holds up. And, and maybe we can uh, improve it a little bit and add a few more things, uh, or maybe mm-hmm. it's enough. Okay, great. Let's get to it. Why don't we start off this conversation by doing a little bit of a self-reflection thing? You know, like, so the people who are listening to the show can think about it themselves. But one question that has to be asked is, how does an individual person know if they themselves are a good team player, right? Because I'm sure people are listening to this and some of them are saying, okay, I don't need to tune into this one. I'm a good team player, right? Or, you know, more likely a lot of people are like, you know, I'm a pretty good team player, but I could be a little bit better, right? Or I'm a terrible team player. Like, how does a person measure themselves? Like most of us inherently have an idea, like a gestalt sense that whether we're a good team player or not but how do you actually measure this beyond just like taking a wild stab at it or thinking back to how many soccer trophies you won when you were a kid like how do you know if you're a good team player or not yeah i think if we we, uh use the framework and see if we can kind of test it against um so if we take the example of a sports team right uh the the soccer team that you're on or basketball team like what what do we want to do which one do you want to pick let's pick an example well, am I, am I the example or should I give a, an example? Sure, either way. Well, as you were talking about going through it, the person that jumped out into my head was Kobe Bryant. Okay. Right? The late Black Mamba. When I, I've been reading about him recently and he is the epitome of a person who is considered for much of his career to be a terrible team player. Okay. Right? And, and then later in his career, it kind of changed a little bit. But in terms of many of the parameters of what's a good team player, it's not as cut and dry because Mm -hmm. he was a very good basketball player his whole career. He was a very celebrated and popular player, but for much of it, his teammates didn't like him, Mm -hmm. but they were winning games. Right. So I was just thinking, you know, would he, you know, 
you know, which of these skills does he have? And yep. he definitely was hungry. Like he wanted to be the best player ever. He didn't particularly care, I think, if his team was the best team ever. So his goals was more about himself. In terms of people smart, if you read about him, he was a brilliant guy, but at the beginning, at least when he was young, he didn't really know how to relate to the people around him. He basically kept to himself, even on his team. Like the famous thing was how him and Shaq didn't get along for mm-hmm. years, right? They were they were strangling each other at practice and stuff like that. Yeah, and and humbleness definitely he was lacking in that category. <laughs> he probably was lacking in that category up until the end of his career. Right. Like that was not a thing that he had. Like he had no patience for people who were slow or struggling. So, you know, by that measure, he's not a guy necessarily that we would say, you know, whether he's a good team player or not. But I wonder if it's that easy. Like, you think Kobe Bryant never sat there and thought about this himself? He must have just thought, I'm a good team player. It's everyone else that's wrong. So how do we get people to look past that barrier, right? Because even at the time Kobe was playing, there were tons of journalists. There were tons of, you know, Shaq is there telling him, pass me the ball. Like everyone's like, you know, you're not a good team player. You're good, but you're not a good team player. And he just kind of tuned it out, right? So how do we hit people on the head hard enough that they realize the answer to this question sooner if it needs to be hit home? That that's actually a, a good question, and and I don't know if I know the answer to that. Uh, a lot of it is uh, taking self awareness and and whether or not people are actually are willing to accept the feedback, right? Because if people they automatically say, "Yeah, I'm I'm a team player. I'm a ten out of ten, right? <laughs> then nothing you can say can convince them otherwise, right? So right. they have to actually be able to say, "Okay, let me take a stop. Let me reset and say, "Okay, I I don't know what I am. Uh, mm-hmm. I might be a ten. I might be a two. Right. Right. And them able to to do that. So if you use the framework, if you had a discussion and saying, okay, what uh, are the elements that make you a good team player? Right. And and they would kind of rattle them off, whether it's three items or 12 items or whatever. And then take an honest look to say, okay, am I a a one out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 or somewhere in the middle? Right. Right. So uh, and and oftentimes it's either um, I found that that change happens either through. Um, extreme suffering <laughs> so something goes terribly right. wrong where you have to actually look at it and, and you almost hit rock bottom and you have to uh, reevaluate things right. or Which it happen- we don't want we don't no, want we- people to have to always rely on that as a trigger we, we don't we don't and um, and the other uh, way is I've heard it it happens through uh, extreme presence where you actually take an inward look and actually say, okay, let me be uh, with the moment, with uh, whatever thing I'm trying to evaluate and say, okay, is this true or not? And and, mm-hmm. and really evaluate that. Uh, so uh, whether you're on the suffering spectrum or the extreme presence spectrum, then that's when uh, change often happens. When you're kind of in the middle and comfortable and things are kind of okay, there's no need, right, for a lot of folks. Sure. So, so either folks actually have to take an inward look and say, you know what, uh, as ugly as things might be, uh, I might have to uh, take take a look and say, oh yeah, that actually might be right, because a lot of um, like parents are are uh, guilty of this. Where like, yeah, my kid is the cutest kid, right? Uh, right. But th- they might not be, right? Everybody's <laughs> whatever it is, is is the best looking, the, the 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 most accomplished, whatever it is, because it's theirs, right? So right. if you're able to put that aside and say, you know what, uh, your kid might not be the the prettiest, the most whatever uh, mm-hmm. there is, uh, and then apply that to yourself too. Um, and then the other part is is don't beat yourself up too much because <laughs> some people are overly critical. Um, right. So yeah, I, I would probably put that forward as as a way for them to uh, get this self awareness for uh, any of these soft skills, be it teamwork or, or whatever. Um, 
and sometimes open the conversation for other people's feedback, right? So it's not just uh, them evaluating and writing in a journal and looking at themselves in a mirror. It's actually taking, yeah, you know what? You often tick people off. You you say things in, in a curt way that, that mm-hmm. uh, rubs people the wrong way and actually saying like, hmm, is that true? And, um, and, and, and taking that at, at, at the feedback's uh, value. So... In terms of how we should go about making doing the self evaluation, like I, so one one approach you're saying is we should ask people around us. So ask the other members of the team, "Am I a good team player or not?" and be honest with me. Yeah, that's okay. that's one way and one one aspect to do it. Because uh, like again, I, I don't know if I know the formula uh, off that, but that's definitely a way because uh, you can. Well, the first way would be to do it uh, introspectively. Right mm-hmm. to write down and kind of reflect that the last time you were on a team and like how do you think you did right if you can mm-hmm. honestly say that you were a ten out of ten, well then you're fine right mm-hmm. uh, then that's when you move on to the uh, re- get other people's opinions because you're not necessarily there if you say well I'm an eight okay where's the missing two points that 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 you need to work on right mm-hmm. um, and could you work on it H- how long is it going to take you on work out how difficult is it going to be is it part of your personality your tendencies or whatever. And and that's kind of uh, where where you can well, work on. The problem I'm having with this is I don't I wouldn't even know how to score it right. Like mm-hmm. how do we score it out of ten? Like who's a ten, and what are the characteristics of a ten as opposed to an eight? Like like I don't know how to measure it, and I don't know how to determine what the missing points are because all I can sort of have is this gestalt sense of it, which may be totally wrong. Yeah. So if we go back to our framework of of hungry, humble, and smart. Right. So okay. I'll, I'll use that as, as, again, the starting point. So if, if you say you're a good uh, team player, so let, let's pick an environment because I find that it's actually context specific. Right. Because mm-hmm. just because you're a, a good team player at work doesn't mean you're a good team player at in your family, which doesn't mean you're a good team player on your sports team or doesn't mean you're a good team player, whatever. Right. So and, and that's one reason why we often refer to them as soft skills, because it's it's context specific. There's no absolute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it changes as the environment and the circumstances well, change. I think, right? I think as you're saying that, I'm thinking it, it changes as your role on a team changes. Right. Sure. Like sometimes some people are good leaders of a team, mm-hmm. but they may not be built to be the fifth guy in the lineup right and you put them in the fifth guy role they're struggling and then some people love the fifth guy role but if they become the first guy you know they have trouble with that Mm -hmm. so i think in that sense it is important to figure out you know which team we're talking about and what you're trying to accomplish on Mm -hmm. that team yeah i mean if if you're thinking that one of your struggles is uh doing it at work and uh, well, I don't know if you want to start calling people out <laughs> on that sort of thing, but in one where you can actually talk about, um, it could be a work environment in terms of well, how uh, have you? Um, let's talk about let's talk about an old example. Okay. When I a few years ago, I used to manage a basketball team of okay. young adults, right? And it's a recreational basketball league, but most of the players take it too seriously, and our team struggled for a few years, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I can tell you my role on the team. I'm not one of the top players. I was the organizer, right? Like mm-hmm. I knew every guy on the team. My role on the team is to show up, play some defense, you know, try to keep people motivated and on the same page. But I'm not a big scorer. I can defend. Like, but our team was struggling. Mm-hmm. And I'm basically a role player, right? In sports, those are the guys who are just like, they're there just to like fill out the lineup card while sure. you build your team around your top guys. How do I know if I was a good team player in that at, in that environment? 
Yeah. So again, I'm going to throw it back to the, the framework, hungry, hung, humble, and smart, right? So in that role, were you hungry? It, it doesn't sound so. You were kind of just playing a part, right? You, I was you pretty hungry. Oh, I was pretty you? hungry. Like I wanted to win, but I don't okay. know if I had the tools to make the people around me better, hmm. right? Like I could see that the ship was sinking some of these seasons, but... I didn't know what to do about it, right? Yeah. We'd always be talking about it in the background. Like my brother-in-law is on the team. We're always like, okay, how do we fix it? How do we fix this problem? How do we, how do we fix like there's a couple of guys who aren't happy? How do we deal with that? Yeah. Right. So we could sort of sometimes identify some of the issues, but we didn't know how to address it head on. And my problem in that environment was it was this weird thing where I was nominally the, the team manager because I did all the admin work. Right. But I wasn't the best player. I was one of the weaker players on the sure. team. Right. That creates this weird dissonance. Right. It's easier if the guy leading the team is the best player. Right. Right. And we did have a guy who was like, you know, the leader of the team, but he's more of a leading quietly by example. Mm -hmm. And on you know, these recreational sports teams, you bring in new guys like every couple of seasons. So a lot of the newer players, they didn't know him that well. Right. Right. So they wouldn't catch on to, you know, how he was leading by example. Right. So, you know, I feel like in that environment, because I wasn't asking for more, like I wasn't really trying to take more shots or hogging the glory. I feel like I was being a good team player in that sense. But I don't feel like being a team player is really just about that. It's not really just about knowing your place. But if that was the measure, I was good. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, part of it is, is also understanding like the capabilities of other folks, right? So that's that smart part, right? So mm -hmm. when you're people smart, you understand like somebody, some people are good at this, some people are good at that, some people are good at that, some people are good at this, right? Mm -hmm. And putting them in, in the best places for them to succeed and, and play their role to the, to the best of their ability because everyone's good at something. Um, mm -hmm. and, and hopefully not <laughs> at the same thing. So if you put people in a position where they uh, are in that position to do the thing that they're best at uh, versus in a position where they're uh, in a position um, doing what they're worst at, well, that's not uh, necessarily uh, lining up the, the team appropriately, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like their examples, and, and I'm not like a huge uh, basketball fan or following that, but there are a lot of cases where uh, there are teams where there are no like, like super superstars but because all of them click and all of them work together, then they right. end up being like uh, better, better um, uh, players, right? Or better team overall, right? right. Uh, versus the the superstar who dominates, but the rest of them just kind of kind of sit there, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I would put that as as kind of that that um, that smart part where the people smarts, where at some point uh, you're gonna need people to know each other, right? So the fact mm -hmm. that uh, they didn't know the new guy and the, the strengths they brought in um, and, and how you would do that, I'm not sure. Maybe it's like a team building. Everyone talks and uh, goes out for drinks or dinner or whatever and, and gets to know each other and, and how people play or whatever. It might be that. It might be reviewing footage or something. It might be um, so something more than you'd want to necessarily do in a recreational team. Right. Um, but uh, if you truly want to gel in, in that capacity, that those are types of things where people have to know uh, what other people are capable of and people have to respect uh, what mm -hmm. people are capable of. So that goes to that humble part, right? To say, you know what? I appreciate you for what you're able to bring to the table. And uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, put me out of place because I think I can do it better or whatever um, mm -hmm. because I have my role. And the other part of if I can do it better than you and you can do whatever I'm doing better than me, then maybe we should swap <laughs> and maybe mm -hmm. we should do that. And that would probably make for, for a better team. So, 
uh, I think using that, if folks can kind of gauge themselves to say, okay, do we actually um, know each other, right? So if, if the team went around and, and said, okay, how well do I know the other uh, members of the team? If they can at least give themselves, if we use an imaginary scale of or of, of out of ten, right? Mm-hmm. Do people know each other? Kind of a, a seven, right. eight, uh, nine out of ten, at least on on the on the court. You don't need it right. uh, professionally uh, or personally, um, but just professionally and in, in terms of the the sport you're playing. Yeah. Um, and then take a look at it at the, those other parts, right? So, are people um, hungry? Are they are they humble? And uh, yeah, and then you'd kind of gauge in. And how do you maximize people uh, within those roles? Because, hmm. like a, a rec league, uh, th- it's a rec league. Right? <laughs> you can't necessarily have people a ten out of ten on on anything. Well, um, the rec league causes its own problems, right? People, sure. people are paying and taking free time to come play. And if we start to say, well, you know what, you're going to only play five minutes, or you're only going to play ten minutes, and that guy's going to play thirty, you know, that's a problem. So you can't really do that kind of stuff. It's not a pro team where people are, you know, they're just going to be paid until someone yeah, gets hurt. Yeah, and, and understanding the realities of yeah. it, where uh, like okay. different circumstances uh, amount to different things, right? Where uh, I, I mean, I don't know exactly the dynamics of the the league, but uh, like, how many people are on the team? Is it like seven people, ten people, or whatever? Like, how much time does uh, people typically get because the 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 older guys who are in less shape or whatever probably don't need to be on the court for like 60 minutes of the game or whatever they're probably okay to be on for only five minutes at a time that sort of thing right it's interesting though that you've you've mentioned this and i think we should talk about this a little is this idea that whether you're a good team player really Mm -hmm. has to be taken in the context of the team that specific team so maybe this question of you know are you a good team player isn't even really a valid question because what we're really asking is you know can you give an example of when you were a good team player on a certain team but you could just as well have given an example of when I was a really bad team player on a different team mm-hmm. right that doesn't tell us anything inherently about the person you know what i mean like like it's not like if you were a video game character you don't have a a number that's a permanent number. It's like an 88. You're an 88 team player. And if we take your character and apply him to a rescue mission or to a business, you know, that's selling lemonade, that that 88 applies. The, the actual teamwork thing is very within the context of the team that you're on and what your role is. And your score probably, by the sounds of it, can can have some degree of variability within that. You know, maybe not go from zero to 100, but, you know, some degree of variability. Yeah, 100%. And that's by nature of, of these soft skills is it's always context specific, right? It's it's dependent on mm-hmm. the, the other team members that you're with, right? So you could be a great team member in basketball or whatever. But if I put four new guys on the team, then in that team, you're, you're not necessarily. Um, or you could be because just for whatever reason, you decide to click, right? You, you kind of make those, you have those fast friends that you uh, have known each other forever, even though you just met them. So there are contexts where that could happen. So this is actually quite frightening because if we start to <laughs> try to answer the question this way, there is no real good answer now. Like we can't, so we're basically, we're saying, am I a good team player? Well, we don't know. The answer is it depends on the yep. situation, right? Yep. Then the following question is, well, how, do, what do I look for? What are the telltale signs short of me asking people, you know, what do you think of me as a teammate? Because nobody talks like this. And right. I'm, at, I'm imagining at work, like me pulling someone aside and sitting them down. I'm not going to get a straight answer. <laughs> Right. Unless it's someone I know really, really well. So 
what are some other clues that can clue the people in as to whether they're doing a good job as a team teammate? Well, again, I don't know if I know uh, the exact answer, but the way that I would approach it is, uh, I think you mentioned it before, where what you want to do is kind of minimize that variability, right? To say that, well, at least in one context, uh, he's either a 2 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10, or this other person, right. at least he's somewhere between like six and six and nine, right? Um, so right. sometimes he's uh, performing better, sometimes they're performing worse, right? And a, a lot of it is going to be the the adaptability, and part of it kind of stems from that uh, that people smart, right? Uh, do you understand mm-hmm. this person well enough so that you can adapt to their style, their their behaviors, their communication, or whatever it is, so that you can behave differently with uh, me versus you? Right, because we will have different styles, right. even though there might be whatever fifty percent overlap, eighty percent overlap, twenty percent overlap. Uh, then that person will be able to adapt themselves to do it. So, um, I, I would go back to that that framework: the hungry, humble, and smart, and and uh, allow them to kind of say, okay, have they been able to demonstrate that? And again, there's no hundred percent answer, but it's going to be like. Uh, based on past performance, we're going to uh, hope that they're able to adapt to that because this new team member that comes in might be someone they've never dealt with, right? Mm-hmm. And in that case, we have no idea uh, whether or not they'll well, be at 80% or a two or 20%. Well, like this hungry, humble, smart idea, I feel like the categories are not created equally. Mm. Like, like humble seems like a more innate personality thing. You know, some people are just humble, Right. You know, no matter what situation they're in, they're going to be pretty humble and easy to get along with for the people around them. And mm. some people just aren't humble, period, ever, right? Like some people are living in a White House with gold-plated, like, you know, <laughs> crown molding, right? But but so that one I feel like is kind of set. Like it, it would be weird for a person to be a really humble athlete but not humble when he's in the courtroom or something, you know? But the other, And then the other one, drive, I feel like is very situation-dependent. Because you're putting people in a situation where if they're motivated, then they're going to be driven. And if I'm putting in someone in a situation that's a really bad fit for them for some reason, like, you know, you know, I'm putting someone on a team, but they don't want to play, period. They, their parents forced them to be on the team or, you know, their parents wanted them to be a doctor. So they're going through the motion. So they're not driven. That that is seems like a more of an environmental thing that that maybe we can work with and is probably not that hard to fix. But it's that third category this one that we've kind of roped off as being like people smart. This one is weird. Like this one, I don't even know where to begin to measure it. Like, like we probably could talk about this one for months. The other two, I feel pretty comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, l- the base uh, version of that one is, is going to be empathy, mm. right? Do you understand other people or can you put yourself in other people's shoes? Right. And it, going back to the whole context specific part, uh, it, it's one where, like, yeah, you, it, it, it depends on whether this person, the gold-plated <laughs> gentleman that, that, that you're speaking of, in certain contexts, uh, he's probably not going to be a, a, an ideal team player, right? Because mm-hmm. the humbleness is, is way low on the scale uh, right. in, in terms of that, right? So um, th- there is a, a context-specific. So if you're trying to find someone who is uh, suitable for your team, 
then you're going to have to compare in similar situations, in a work context, in a whatever context, uh, how have you behaved previously? Right. Now, the challenge is like uh, past um, performance is not necessarily an indicator of future <laughs> performance, right. right? You hope that uh, things are going to stay consistent, but you never know, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so so just to kind of circle back to that, um, uh, the, the people smart one, this is one where it, it, there is a, a degree of, of variability um, because that's yet another soft skill mm-hmm. <laughs> that needs to be dissected because how you relate with people um, it, it relates on a whole bunch of different factors. Right. Uh, a lot of it is also how uh, you relate with yourself, right? Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, in order for you to be like uh, truly empathetic and really understand other people, you have to be able to understand yourself, right? So, I mean, and, this is the whole EQ thing that people mm-hmm. talk about all the time, right? Which I actually had intended to be a separate topic onto itself. I think this is another <laughs> soft skill, but, yep. but, but I think it's overlapping with teamwork. It's probably from what I can sense from this discussion, the most nebulous of the teamwork ones that we need to try to put a finger on for people. Well, well again, there's uh, bodies of research around like h- how to action that, how to improve it, how to mm-hmm. uh, like like ex- extend um, so kind of your skills in that. What's a way too. to simplify this a little bit? Just the people smart part. Like how does a person then look at themselves thinking about within the team context, am I people smart? Or should I be a person that really, you know, you know, knows they're like, I know I'm not that good with people. And then, you know, how do you, how does a person figure that one out? Because I feel like we need to figure that out a little here. Yeah. If I had to break it down, it would be when, how, how well do you know that the people that you're interacting with? Okay. Right. Um, and then basically I would uh, relate it back to, have you ever heard of the, the platinum rule? No. So, so most people are familiar with the golden rule, right? Uh, do unto others as you would sure. have them do unto you. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would have done unto themselves. Okay. Right? So basically treat what people, that... Treat, treat how, people the way they would treat themselves. Uh, yeah. So okay. the fact is that you need to understand how they would treat themselves mm-hmm. so that you can treat them in the same way. Not treat how you want to be treated because that's being a little selfish on, on doing it right. your way. Right, self-absorbed. Yeah, so that's really the, the empathy part of it where you know this person and then you're actually going to uh, follow through and treat them in a way that they want to be treated. So uh, I would probably uh, peg it down into into that area. And when you can be people smart and, and treat people the way they want to be treated and like in, on some teams, some people need to have like that sympathetic ears like, okay, you did your best, good job or whatever. Right. And some people, they need to be chewed out. It's like WTF, like why didn't you do whatever? Right. Some people need that, right? right. So and, and uh, every person on the team might need different things. So if it's a, it's a five-person team, you might be treating those other four people in, in very different ways. And even knowing that mm-hmm. uh, is uh, going to be a, a challenge, right? Okay, so, so that's why this one can be quite interesting in the sense that uh, it, it requires some time um, for, for you to actually understand the other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you're good at it, then that's what makes uh, is, is probably the key uh, element to, to being a, a good team player. Okay, opinion, that's so. a really good answer because now I'm thinking about all these teams I've been on and do the people know each other well, mm-hmm. right? And that does take time, right? So it's not usually plug and play. It's usually something that takes months or years to evolve. And yep. it's always a changing thing too. Mm-hmm. Like you can know someone well for a while and then drift apart even working in the same office as them, yep. right? So it's something that needs to be nurtured over time. But that's a good that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, and it could also be, uh, again, I mentioned the relationship with yourself, right? Because 
uh, the way you perform on one day might be the way different than when you perform on a different day because like one day you were all happy uh, you just uh, got like uh, I don't know won a lottery ticket or whatever like that mm-hmm. and the day this morning like uh, your your uh, kid spilt co- uh, their juice all over thing and you had to clean up their their throw up or whatever mm-hmm. and, and uh, in that case you're gonna have to deal with that person in, in different ways even the same person uh, mm-hmm. in different contexts so that's why it's it true. can be so challenging because it, it's not necessarily the, the person it's also the context of that 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 person is facing and right. the variability that that person goes through throughout the throughout the day or throughout their lifetime as well right some people it's a smaller range uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like this person they're just generally happy right <laughs> or some people like they, they're happy one day and they're like like dr jekyll and mr hyde type of thing <laughs> like, but those are rare right yeah but but we all have bad moments of course right? yeah so i do think i think that's a good way of thinking about it. as you were saying that i started thinking about you know, with our patients that like actually patient physician relationship sh- ideally should be a bit of a teamwork thing too, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to reach a common goal, which is we want the patient to be healthier, right? Of course. Yeah. And you, so many times, like you meet a patient or, you know, you, you walk into the lunchroom and another doctor in the office is venting. Like I just saw this person. They're a nut, right? <laughs> Crazy person. Right. And you, it's important to realize, let's try to put this within context. It's unlikely that that person is totally evil, right. that, they're, that they're at home and they're actually Skeletor like, yep. all the time. You might have caught them at the wrong moment or, you know, maybe coming to a doctor's office is a, is a huge stress for them and mm-hmm. they're not acting their normal way. Or maybe you just haven't talked to them long enough. Like I found when I was a younger doctor, I frequently would come home because at that point when you're starting out, you're picking up new patients all the time. And I'd just be exhausted. I'd be like, oh, there were like five people I met today that were all very demanding and stressed me out. And I find now, having worked for 15 years almost, that that doesn't happen that often. And I Mm -hmm. realize it's because I know all these people. So over time, each me and each of them have established some boundaries, right? They kind of know what I want. I kind of know what they want. And we're kind of on the same team. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of a makes everything a lot smoother, right? So it's one of the perks of my job is getting to know people over long, long periods of time. Yeah, and I guess if you ever admit like new patients uh, and someone comes in, then you got to do that dance all over again. You do it the whole thing over. You have to feel each other out. takes a few visits. So yep. I think that's a good way of thinking about it is you get to know people. Most people aren't nuts, right? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So let's say that we, we evaluate ourselves and I think... The message for most people listening to this show is, you know, wherever you are, that's just the starting point, right? So mm-hmm. if you're an eight as a team player, can you become a nine? If you're a six, can you become a eight? If you're, heavens forbid, a three, any way we can push you to a five, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say we identify our score, but we want to get a little bit better because very few of us are 10. Then how do we go about getting better? Because I was thinking about this episode before and I was like, I have no idea how to really improve at teamwork. I actually was thinking, so people who aren't on teams don't get to practice this. So maybe they need to sign up and join a league, right? Mm-hmm. Take up a team sport. It's It was actually frightening to me how sometimes we I get so like pigeonholed that you must be on a team sport. That's the only place that you could learn teamwork. But I had this feeling, you know, we haven't talked about it much, but going through school, you don't get that much exposure to teamwork. Right. Fair enough. A lot of schooling is very like individualistic, right? Yep. You get an individual grade. You know, we evaluate how good you are at math, how good you are at science, you know, and it doesn't, there isn't, 
there isn't a really good way of teaching children teamwork. So they kind of gets taught indirectly because no one really knows how to teach it. So we throw a bunch of kids on a team and try to mold them into a unit, right? And some kids learn the right lessons from them, but some kids don't at all. Yeah. And so and how do we get better? Well, I think there, there's always the difference between uh, knowledge and experience, right? Mm. So a, a lot of uh, what we're doing in school is giving uh, kids the knowledge, right? They, they know like the formulas, the theories and all that sort of stuff. What uh, school doesn't really do is give them the experience, right? To yeah. actually go through it. Because I can uh, give you every single book on cars, on like turn signals and, and uh, the rules of the road and everything. Right. Um, but once you sit in the driver's seat of a car and have to turn on the ignition and have to like look at the mirrors and put on the gas and turn signal and all that sort of stuff, it's a very, very different experience. So mm -hmm. for anybody who's ever had to drive for the first time, there's all these different things that you got to look at. Right. Uh, and, and like the academic knowledge of knowing all these things, you don't get it um, until you actually are there. And then the first time you do it, it it's it's pretty frightening, it's pretty scary, and, and you're, you probably missed a whole bunch of things. But the next time you do it, it gets a little easier. And the next time you do it, it gets easier. And next time you do it easier. So similar to, to teamwork, it's like you are by yourself, uh, and then you get thrown into a group project. And it's pretty tough. You don't get along with folks. But then you do another group project, and you do another one, another one. So a lot of this is, is going through a, a bit of habituation in the sense that, okay, I have these 93 things that I have to think about. Um, how do I make these three uh, kind of habitual so I don't have to worry about it? And then these six habitual and these 16 and then going through so that I only have to worry about those really uh, variable parts where uh, I, I need a I need to struggle with. So mm. um, in that case, I, I would I would probably say similar to the getting to know someone. It just takes time because you actually have to have the experience. I have to say, oh, OK, when you uh, say this type of question or you approach it in this way, then I uh, understand that that you meet it like mean it sarcastically or you, you are more serious or you want a straight answer or you want a, uh, a roundabout answer or whatever. And you don't know that until you've been able to interact with that person for a little while. Right. So same with your, your team environment. So uh, when you get uh, thrown in a team with very uh, strong personalities or someone that's a pushover or whatever. Right. If you haven't had a chance of dealing with one of those people, then you're not going to necessarily be good at dealing with that person until you've done it a couple of times. Now, for so, each person, it's going to be different. I don't know if it's one time or, or 12 times or 1200 times. It's going to be one of the those things where, where people are going to have to uh, adapt. But surely we can't just say that time will solve it, right? Because there's so many examples of, you know, you just put two people together, they're like oil and water, and it's just, you know, we wait a month, we wait six months, we wait 18 months, and they're about to strangle each other. Like, that right. does happen. So I would probably suggest that uh, they individually start with themselves. Because usually when two people are at odds with each other, um, mm -hmm. they're like, different parts of the other person's personality that trigger them, right? And uh, something uh, comes to mind where in psychology, there's an aspect of where um, if someone triggers something, uh, it's something in you that needs to be worked on. Okay. Right? So, so what that basically means is that there's usually some unresolved conflict that's in you uh, that that is spurring this this reaction because that person has triggered it right and okay. until you uh, work on your your own stuff then that person will always piss you off but then once <laughs> you realize oh they're they're doing it in this way um, because oftentimes what you'll realize is it's just uh, circumstances stimulus um, it's they're neutral 
mm-hmm. right? And it's just your perception, Pers- your thought uh, and response to it that's making it good or bad. <laughs> so right? we need people to elevate to the level of the Buddha to just let everything go and wash over them. 100%. And- yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but there are ways of doing that where it doesn't have to be that you're enlightened and you're now sitting on the clouds and you're going, oh, there, and stuff there like are that, examples right? of this. Like I'm, I'm thinking about my own office. It's not the easiest place in the world to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And it gets a little bit into the question I want to talk about to wrap up the show in a bit. But but how do we get new people onto this team and allow them the six months or the amount of time it'll take before they get swallowed alive by the demands of the job? Like I'm, I'm talking more about like our admin staff. You know, it's a busy doctor's office. Uh, there's multiple doctors working. There's a ton of phones ringing. People need to speak multiple languages. Um, the individual doctors have individualized demands of the staff too right so it's not even a one-size-fits-all thing so it's a stressful job and it's not you know it's not easy and it takes time to learn like how do we get people to join the team and have it fit cohesively well uh again i'll I'll see if i can i can run it through that hungry humble and and smart type of thing right so if if we were to take a look at this this new person right so uh that they're now a new admin Mm-hmm. Um, and you've asked them a whole bunch of interview questions and you ask them, like, do you want this job? Right. Like, yes, <laughs> I want the job. Right. So and, and, and the challenge with the whole interview process, in, in my opinion, is it's uh, it, it's a show. Right. So right. The, these in, the interviewee is basically an actor, an actress. Right? <laughs> and they're saying whatever they want to say or need to say in order for you to hire right. them. Right. Right. And then when they show up on Monday, they're actually who they really are. Right. right. Um, I, I've had it in interviews where uh, someone um, comes in and they're all polished or whatever. And then they, they, they start and they, they have these earrings that we never saw in the interview and their, their sleeves are rolled up and they have these tattoos and stuff. And it's like, and none of which they means all they're not a good team player. And none of it <laughs> means that it is, but it's a lot of things where they put on a good show, um, yeah. but they were someone different uh, on the money uh, on the Monday when they showed up. So right. th- that's more the point, not nothing against people with <laughs> tattoos or earrings and stuff like that. They're right. th- Those are awesome. But anyway, so, um, but but the point is, uh, they're going to be doing what they can, right? So at some point, you need to put them in the situation to say, okay, how do they uh, <clears throat> take initiative, right? So we t- take a look at the, um, the the hungry part, right? So do things get get done just because they are told to be done, or do they actually say, you know what? I noticed that whatever the, the supply closet needed um, rearranging, so I, I, I cleaned it up or whatever, right? And mm-hmm. you not asking, and that happens. Okay, then that signals to you that there's probably going to be more um, potential them for, for them to be a good team player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the humble part, right? Um, then they're uh, also... Um, appreciative of the um the, the skills and, and what other people bring uh to the to the table bring to the team right hmm. uh and the smart part right they're they're making a conscious effort to get to know each other outside of the context of like the professional interactions and uh they're they're uh, learning to um appreciate each other um like differently they're they're doing all sorts of things to demonstrate that they are um uh, compatible with each other right i'm i'm the boss of this office i'm watching this interaction Mm -hmm. carefully like like through the corner of my eye and i see that you know some of these things are lacking initially so how can i nudge it along in a way that's like my approach a lot of times in these situations is well let's just ride it out let's see how the let's see how this experiment unfolds i don't know how to interfere or whether to interfere in the experiment yeah 
Well, so so there's uh, part part of the decision or discussion point is whether or not you uh, like want to be investing in this person, right? Well, so that's if, my if, question. But I'm always like, am I giving them enough of a chance, right? At what point do I cut my losses? And should I be investing energy into this person? Try to bring them up if it's just a few things. Yeah. And and it's really going to be a personal preference because I'm of the um, mindset that like the, the interviewing process, the hiring process is, is a bit out of date. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I subscribe to the fact of uh, basically uh, hire fast and fire faster right? <laughs> in the sense that some people you already know, like after the, the first week, first month already, they're always going to be a consistent C player. Right. And it's going to take you another month, six months, year to get them to a B, right? Mm. And it's going to take them another six months, six years to get them to an A, right? right. Whereas you can probably notice in, in, in a week, and a month uh, that they're a B on their way to an A or they're just an A, right? Or right. God forbid they're a D or an E, <laughs> you need to let them go, True. right? So so a lot of the uh, things, are, there's a big stigma about letting people go and like, oh, should I give them a chance? And uh, that doesn't mean that they're not a good person, Right, mm-hmm. they just might not be a good fit for for your particular team. Right, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the team across the street, the dental or, or the, the 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 doctor's office or the optometrist or whatever, uh, like they 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 um, treat their patients differently. They they run their office differently, and they would be a great fit for that one. Uh, it's just the way that you run it. They don't they don't particularly ap- appreciate that. So, sure. um, or, or they just might be a dud. <laughs> so they need more help. So this is a really good segue into the last part of the conversation because I wanted to turn this whole issue of teamwork around instead of looking at ourselves or the individual as the team player i wanted to look at it from a management perspective right like how does an office manage the team like how do we select the team members like this thing gave me a huge headache like every time we need to hire a new office staff like i'll tell you straight up as a family doctor i never learned anything about how to pick someone you know out of a lineup and figure out how to, who to place them into this team. My my wife and I co-manage this business. It's a family business, which the word family means we are confused when it comes to this. <laughs> we don't know how to add team members. And you know, to your point, you know, actually, the the, the I worked at this office for many years before I started managing it. And the old manager's approach was she would just seemingly hire anyone, and then trial them for a couple months. And then get rid of them like that actually was her approach and i found it really frustrating because i was like these few months are really painful because we basically then watch a train wreck unfurl at the end of which we then have to do it again with a new person right and i think at some point we went through like two or three and i was i was always hoping that there would be a better answer to like you know find the right person that maybe with a little more homework during the interview process we could solve this but now you're telling me hers was actually the approach that you're going except maybe even go even faster well so so it's basically um the the aspect is you don't hire uh, every day right no we don't we absolutely don't so we're we don't have good practice at doing it 100 percent. and as an as a small business owner this is the one task that when it appears on the horizon it just makes me want to like put a bullet in somewhere you know like <laughs> it's like i can see it coming you know like you hired like a college grad and they're not going to work here that long so the writing's on the wall you're already dreading that it's going to happen and when it happens it's like okay now what 
Well, uh, I mean, a couple of things come to mind. Is, is one, you, you have to get more experience in hiring. Right? So you can be better at Go through at this 20 times. Yeah. When I have zero hairs left on my head, perhaps I'll gain something. Basically, that, that's one way of doing it. And actually, there's an interesting concept where um, th- there's a person who actually made a company out of it. And uh, the company was called uh, refermyfriends.com. Right. And basically what it is, is, is if you uh, are a smart person with like good work ethic and all that sort of stuff, chances are your friends are too. Right. Because mm-hmm. you, you tend to like uh, uh, birds of, of a feather flock together, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, yeah, uh, from referrals, who would they want to join on the team? Because at least you have buy in from someone. Right. So that's why referrals tend to be a, a really um, high value uh, prospect. Uh, because a lot of the vetting has already been done, right? Mm-hmm. This person probably has seen them in a context. Maybe they, they play basketball with them, right? And and they're a good team member there, right? Mm-hmm. But their their hopes is that it's going to translate into the so office environment. So people you know is better than people you don't. Or people someone knows, not necessarily you specifically, but at sure. least you have the word of someone like, hey, they understand the office culture, they, they've been around, they, they know you a little bit, and, and that often uh, can leapfrog someone um, much now, better than just a random person we, from, from We've out had there. this type of situation happen in the office too, and it's messy. I find like you ask your friend and they're like, oh, I recommend my friend, right? Or a relative of mine. Mm-hmm. And you hire the next, you know, you're like, I don't like this person. Mm-hmm. But if we get rid of them, I'm going to like, uh, you know, if I get rid of them, I'm offending my original friend. And it's like this other added headache. So sometimes we've, we've actually concluded completely opposite. We're like, never ask anyone we know, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't hire family. Like that's where this stuff comes from. Yep. And, 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 and that's fair. I think one aspect of that is is you need to be selective of who the person referring is, right? Because mm. uh, there, there's a expression out there or, or like a convention out there where um, A players will hire A people, right? Mm. Uh, B players hire Cs <laughs> because <laughs> they don't want to be outshone, right? And right. C players hire Ds, right? Mm. So if you have a B player, be careful, Right. Mm. Uh, if you have an A player, they'll probably recommend. So a, you're telling a, a me player. that we're hiring people by asking our existing staff who they recommend. That's one way of doing it. Or you find the people who are kind of the best in the areas that uh, you know and mm. say, who might you be able to recommend and refer where you respect them in one area. And hopefully that translates to respect in, in another area. Right. Interesting. And uh, again, so it's, it's an imperfect method because. Just like soft skills, everything is context specific and, and depending on how you run the office. And if you find that uh, like nobody fits, then, hey, Dave, maybe you got to look inwards <laughs> and think about why, why they don't fit. Right. So it, it could be that sort of conversation, too. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, oftentimes, like th- th- there'll be people who, who work uh, well w- with each other um, and, and maybe you just haven't found that. Uh, or, or maybe some of your uh, like practices need to be uh, adjusted. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. there's no uh, perfect way. And, and uh, maybe you're the one who has to be a, a better, uh, mm-hmm. more hungry, humble or more smart <laughs> in that particular sure. case, too. That 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 finger can can point the, the other way too, right? Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, assuming that things are okay on that front, then uh, I guess my suggestion would be referrals, but be uh, uh, aware of who the referral is coming from. That That's where I'd probably put my highest uh, bet. Uh, but then if you're actually going to go through kind of like the, the random pool, then it's really understanding, well, where on, on those components do they fit? And uh, how uh, could you gauge um, that from happening? And actually, an interesting um, new concept is where uh, they have pretty much everybody on the team 
uh, a part of the hiring process, mm-hmm. right? So anybody everyone in meets the, the candidate. Well, everyone can meet the candidate. They don't have to, but it's kind of like, hey, this person's coming in. They're available for an interview. You can come in and ask questions. And usually it's it's the people who are going to be in a team that's uh, tangential to it or going to be relating to them uh, on, on a frequent basis. They're more interested to, to scope this person so, out, right? So we've so. had this question before. It, mm-hmm. I, I actually find it quite interesting from the concept of a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Like the way our office is set up is you know, I guess like many things, like there's a, the owner of the business, mm-hmm. right? But then there's also other doctors working in the business that don't own the business, but whoever we hire will be working closely with them. Sure. So it is in their interests to pick the right person. Correct. Right. Yep. How do we balance this thing where, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine giving people more say in the process, but do you ever run the risk of giving them too much say that, that the result becomes muddy. Like you can't tell anymore what's right or wrong. Yep, for sure. <laughs> I mean, again, it's, it's, it's always context specific where like if uh, let's say you have like three doctors working with you, if one of them uh, is, is pulling and saying like, I really want this person to start. Right. Uh, and, and then the other two are kind of like, yeah, they're okay. I, I'm not so, so sure or whatever. Right. Well, there might be red, red flags around that versus like, you know what? I'm indifferent. Uh, versus mm-hmm. someone is like I I I I'm not sure, right? Mm-hmm. So you you'll have to take that on a case by case basis on who's pulling for whom and for what reason, right? Because uh, everyone has bias in some shape or form, right? That there might be alternative motives here and there. But if there's a, a general consensus, uh, then you're probably in a safe spot where everyone thinks that person is good. Uh, then um th- then you're probably in good shape. If one person thinks they're great and everyone thinks that they're o- o- just okay. Well, you might want to uh, make a decision. And then it goes back to your point of, well, this person is available to start versus I might need another two weeks or two months to get another person. And meanwhile, this temp is running amok <laughs> doing the other right. stuff. So it's always on, on, on a case by case basis. But the idea like, scenario is that you're actually always uh, proactively recruiting. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're not waiting until someone leaves. You always have someone in the wings where, you know what, whether they're actually available or um, uh, employed somewhere else that, you know, already in your community, who is the best of the best. Right. Hmm. Who are the uh, best um, uh, receptionists or whatever. Yeah. And you already know the the field where uh, you can at at a moment's notice ask the five people that you already know that you built a strong relationship with. Um, that might be uh, in other doctors' offices or different places, and and uh, mm-hmm. just say, hey, want to come over and join our team, right? So, and 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 make make it worth it. their while. So. Interesting. What are some questions? Like you kind of poo pooed the traditional interviewing process earlier, mm-hmm. but it is part of the process. And short of you know, we do need to ask the person some questions. So specifically regarding teamwork, as an employer, what would you ask these potential candidates for the job? in order to flesh out if they're a good team player or not. Because I found, you know, I've done medical school interviews, uh, residency interviews, and it's always like, give me an example of when you were a good team player. And I'm like, this question has never created a good answer, like that's mm-hmm. been meaningful or affected anything. Yeah, so so for me, I, again, I might be a, a little non-traditional on this, but uh, to me, whatever question you ask, I don't, I don't really care what the answer is. What mm-hmm. I usually do is I listen to your answer and, and probe and ask them a, a question on whatever they just said. Mm. 
And often that that is a better indicator of whether one it was a true and or is it was it a rehearsed answer or just some some example they came in or is it something they authentically did and they understood and they took initiative and they really un- were part of that situation because if you probe and and oftentimes if you can do it two or three times and they're still able to give you an amazing answer then it doesn't really matter what they said they're usually a, a, a good candidate because they truly went through that experience they really understood what what it was and and the meaning uh, and its importance and the value that it has on uh, working in in this new environment is there anything else you want to add about teamwork or do you think we've covered everything we wanted to tonight no i think we've covered a lot i think uh, we've uncovered that it's uh, i mean this still a nebulous thing where even though there's frameworks it's it's not never one size fits all uh, you mm-hmm. always have to take it within context and um yeah i, I mean it, it's one where uh with um, if we take that the hungry humble smart framework is actually a good one to start with mm-hmm. uh like you'll have to apply it and you'll have to uh, apply it in different circumstances with different people with different team members and all that sort right. of stuff and at the end of the day it comes um not necessarily with just the knowledge it's the experience like after right. you've worked in a team then you know okay this is the team that i work well with right, right. um and then in another team I, I i i'm starting to see more of the same patterns of of the types mm-hmm. of people that i work better with and uh in, in what circumstance so it it's up to you to kind of get in those um uh those experiences to to uh with team members so that you can really make your own uh, decisions and and have that um advanced pattern recognition or, or people call it intuition mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of who would be a better fit for some so yeah i think it was a interesting discussion and hopefully folks uh, got some uh, useful insights out of it i hope so i mean the thing i'll take away is this business of getting to know the members of your team well you know that i think is something we can all do for whatever team we're on mm-hmm. and the more you know the better of a team you'll be team player you'll be i think that's a really good one because we can all work on that yep Yep, for sure. There's uh, a lot more we could go into in e- each of those components, but uh, yeah, we'll save that for future podcasts. Sure. And we'll see you all in a month when we come back with another soft skill to break down. Thanks everyone. All right, good night. <laughs> <laughs>